0: This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on
1: bloomberg radio
0: let's head downtown back down south so happy to have with us arthur blank i got a chance to interview him a little bit mm-hmm. for our business of sports podcast he's got a new book out we've both read it it's Love called it. good company it's terrific we're going to talk about the book uh arthur but we gotta ask you it's the day after the first game of the season didn't go the way you wanted but man it's good to have nfl football back how are you <laughs>
2: I'm uh, I'm I'm great. I'm am I'm 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 fine. I'm actually better than fine, I'm great. Uh I'm I I agree with you. I mean I wish we had a different uh, you know, conclusion for our game, but Seattle played really well and we played okay but not well enough and but I was thrilling to have the NFL back starting Thursday night through uh through actually tonight. Yeah. And um you know, the teams are um you know, the, I I give the league a lot of credit. Commissioner Goodell's done a great job, the league staff's done a great job, but mostly I give the credit to the players. We've really kept themselves clean. I mean, we've had forty seven thousand tests and five players have tested positive. and this last weekend we had five thousand tests, and we had zero positives amongst the five thousand uh, people that took tests. So you know they're uh, they're taking it seriously and uh, they're being tested every day and following the protocols and uh, and you know we know America wants football and we want to be there for them as as we've been for the last hundred years.
1: What's been the trickiest part of this?
2: Well, I think uh, I think it's a really good question, Carol. I think uh, you know trying to separate, um, and it's really not actually hard to do. But some people have a lot of difficulty doing it. I don't think our league has had difficulty in doing it. We have made all of our decisions um, based on what scientists are telling us, what medicals telling us, what the CDC is telling us, et cetera. And we've stayed out of the uh, you know the, the the opinion business. Right. Um, you know, there's nobody in the NFL certainly at the league office or in any clubs that know better than, you know, all of these these experts that are on our staffs and consultants and advisory positions that we work with. So they've given us great counsel, and we followed it. Um, And we've asked all of our players to follow it, and they've done a great job in doing that.
0: What are you most worried about uh, as the next couple weeks unfold here, Arthur?
2: Well, I think the danger, if you just follow the the course of the the question you guys have, is that, you know, now we're beginning to travel. Yeah, and I think that you know the risk goes up when we you know when we travel. Although you know we all the teams use uh, you know chartered planes, private planes, things of that nature. So, and again, they've been very careful with all the protocols and who's in the team hotels, who's not in the team hotels, etc. But once you start to travel, you know we know that personally, but we also know it as organizations. In this case, professional football teams that that'll be the case as well. So, you know, I think we'll be in good uh, in good stead. There's always a risk, uh, and given the highly contagious nature of this disease i mean you know if you have a breakout you have a breakout we've mm-hmm. seen some of that in baseball and and in some other sports as well so we uh, we haven't seen that yet in the nfl and hopefully we start our season we'll be able to complete our season and play a super bowl in uh, in tampa bay in february god that would be so wonderful
1: and you know what's um really refreshing is it's, it's you know, you when you don't like somebody, you tell us. <laughs> and when there's <laughs> tough situations, you tell us. And it's also yeah. very relevant to today in terms of inequalities, right. injustices, racism. Right. Um, it's all here. You deal with
2: it. Yeah. Well, I think, that, Carol, I think that's very true. I think that, you know, it's interesting is that um, we started the book about four years ago. So that was before the pandemic, before the uh, crunch from an economic standpoint, before the Social unrest and uh, everything else that our country is—all the polarization that we're that we're seeing today and feeling today in our country. So, but it's very appropriate for for these for these times because essentially what the what the book is really suggesting is that these six core set of values that we built HD with Home Depot with, and still 40, 42 years later, is still driving the company's incredible success so that we've been able to translate to a football team, a soccer team, guest ranches, PGA business, etc. And uh, and get the same kind of financial performance, but also yet on an equally weighted uh, dumbbell, if you will, or or you know weight, if you will, uh, you know, associate-driven purpose businesses. So our associates, our communities, our people we're serving, guests, fans, customers, whatever the case may be, you know they feel like um, there's um, we're making the right decision for the right reasons based on a based on a pillar set of values. Now the applications may change from time to time because the environment changes and the context changes, but those those core values are really the same. And uh, they make decision-making a lot simpler, and they bring us to the right place. And uh, as my mother would, would tell me for many, many years, do the right things for the right reasons and live with the consequences, hmm. the book really talks about a lot of that. And frankly, hmm. our younger populations today are really demanding that um, they want a life of not only purpose for themselves, but, you know, how do I serve humanity? Um, they're seeing that across the board. An example of that is uh, the program which um, started at Yale University uh, by Dr. Lori Santos. on Kids were demanding, like, you know, I, I'm not happy. I have all these things mm-hmm. in life, but I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel as fulfilled as I should feel. Started out with 30 students. and now a quarter of the student body. At Yale University, two hundred five years old, takes that class on a voluntary basis. We've right. had similar similar applications across the country, but our young people today are, are demanding you know more out of you know what just the just the bottom line. They want to see a bottom line of life as well. And I think these values that we describe and stories and thoughts and sharings and practical applications are ways that young people can feel that this is purpose as well. I'm serving not just myself and my family, but serving humanity and serving my neighbors, if you will. um,
0: and, And Arthur, it's interesting to hear you put it in that framework, especially talking to you from Atlanta, which is, you know, the cradle of the civil rights movement, where young people have driven the conversation, they're driving it now. And there was a young man who ultimately became a friend of yours who was evoked either intentionally or unintentionally, I think, and you can talk about it. When I hear good company, I think of good trouble. And I think of John Lewis. uh, And I know he was a friend of yours and, and, and and sort of a, a partner in many ways. What have you learned in Atlanta? And what have you learned of late about about where we are right now yeah. in those conversations around just, equality?
2: You know, I, I, I appreciate the question, and if Congressman Lewis were with us, he would appreciate the question. So when we were uh, in the proceeds of this book all go to the National Civil and Human Rights Museum, which is based in Atlanta, and that mm-hmm. was part when we hosted the Super Bowl in 2017. We uh, we actually we used that facility, and all of the owners, the management from the NFL players went through that facility. But... On my left and on my right, Congressman Lewis was on my right, and Ambassador Young was on my left. About a month before John Lewis passed, um, we had a long conversation he did with our associates and with myself, and he said to me, you know, we've made, you know, since the 50s and 60s, we have made a lot of progress. Is it where it needs to be? The answer is no. We need to have a greater sense of urgency, but we need to acknowledge at least the progress that we've made, we need to um, have a greater sense of urgency dealing with these issues today, but I have great hope that the American population and the American civilization will respond and respond in a positive way. Separately, uh, about a week later, I spoke to Andy Young, said exactly the same thing to me, exactly the same words. These are both disciples of Dr. King uh, who you know, who walk with him and spend time with him, etc., so you know where I am, i i I feel like these um these calls to our sensibilities and and to balance in our lives and to, and to these things that we're protesting about, I think are very real. and i and i um I support them, I salute them. I don't support and salute any any sort of any sort of violence, any sort of chaos uh, that that we see. And you know, the last book that Dr. King wrote, which was never published, is published when he was alive. was published the year after he passed away by Coretta, his wife, was uh, dealing with community or chaos, and that's where our country is today. All these years later, community yeah. or chaos, and I think the answer, you know, for us, for me, is really community and finding a way to, um, you know, to bring things together in a more purposeful way, in a more collaborative way, crossing aisles or whatever it may be. And the book, in a sense, it uh, deals with that, it deals with values that don't have to do with, you know, red and, and blue. It has to do with, you know, doing the right things for the right reasons by every human being that we're connected to, who we're serving, whether it be our case, guest fans or customers with our associates uh, and being sensitive to the communities that we live in. Well, I I'll have to
1: you... – oh, go ahead. No, no please, Arthur. Please, I'll give go you ahead.
2: One, I'll give you one quick example post the book. Um, we, op- we operate these uh, guest ranches in Montana, uh, two of them. One is open to the public, the other one is open up to use it for nonprofit work and um, you know, a variety of conferences, et cetera. And uh, we closed them both this summer. Well, one has been operating for over 100 years, hmm. first time it's ever been closed. And we did it. I mean, we knew that 70% of our associates come from out of state. We knew that almost 100% of our guests come from out of state. Uh, we knew that these communities that are n- nearby, these so-called, so-called gateway communities that go into Yellowstone Park, could um, be affected. And so, you know, it wasn't. It was a sad decision, but it was an easy decision based on these values we talk about in the book. Close the ranches, do the right thing for the communities, for the associates, for the guests. And in fact, I didn't even know this, but um, you know, it turned out I had lunch with the governor about a, you know, three or four weeks after the decision was made, and he was aware of it. He said, you know we really appreciate you thinking about you know we don't want to bring disease into our state into our populations and thank you for thinking about community and thinking about neighbors and what have you so it's um, yeah. We're, we're we're proud to be part of that decision making.
1: Well, that sense of community is. I feel like if, if let's hopefully everybody takes that away from from between the pandemic and what happened in Minneapolis. I have to say, you know, um, Arthur, I have all these notes in in the margins. Um, it's a great book for leaders for understanding where we are and kind of how to get out of tough tough situations and just kind of understand our world at large. I hope um, Arthur comes back. Maybe when he finishes his tour, he can come back and spend some more time with us. Arthur Blank, the book is Good Company, on the phone in Atlanta, of course, owner of the Atlanta Falcons and co-founder of the Home Depot.